0: Lisa Schwartzbaum of Entertainment Weekly calls it bitingly funny but tolerant, bemused rather than bitter. Time Out Magazine says, preposterous and utterly self-absorbed, this has La La Land down to a T. And referring to other late 90s comedies, Peter Brunette of Film.com says it manages to be funny without a single semen or shit joke or scene in which a character has carnal relations... With a dessert. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Bowfinger. Which
1: one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast.
2: Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome. <laughs> that was so emphatic. I like it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have a fist in the air. You certainly do. Right now. What you, hey, what are you drinking? What am I drinking? I'm drinking uh, bourbon. A little bourbon a little bourbon rocks.
0: Bourbon. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, I have just a, a sparkling water, and I'm nervous that the sizzle of it is going to be picked up on the microphone, but I don't know why I'm worried about that. Hey, more sizzle can't hurt, right? More sizzle can't hurt. Uh, Hey, Dan. Hey, John. How's it going? It's going okay. I am uh, so excited. This is our 99th episode, which is just wild.
2: Absolutely it is. wild. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, two years ago, who'd have thunk yeah. it? Yeah, totally.
0: Uh, yeah, so it's really fun to be doing a movie from 1999. Yeah. But uh, first, I got uh, something I wanted to mention, uh, one more thing from our Armageddon and Deep Impact episode that, oh, yeah. we, that we did last, which, by the way, that was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was a blast, literally and figuratively. Ooh. Uh, so I found, I, I didn't know that this was a thing, but it turns out that there's a an upcoming uh, Roland Emmerich movie coming out called
2: Moonfall. Have you heard of Moonfall? No, but I've already got uh, my theories your as ticket. to what it's about. <laughs> I've, I've already got my ticket. I've you already... already got your ticket.
0: So uh, I I found out about this because I it came on my radar because I saw an article about how. Stanley Tucci was supposed to be in it, but Michael Pena is replacing him because of COVID travel restrictions and Stanley Tucci just couldn't. couldn't That is of
2: course the logical next step from Stanley Tucci, Michael Pena.
0: Isn't that fun? I love the idea that there's a character that both of those people could play.
2: And yet it makes perfect sense.
0: Yet it makes perfect sense. So good. So uh According to Deadline, Moonfall is a space drama that kicks off when a mysterious force that knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and sends it hurtling on a collision course with life as we know it. With mere weeks before impact, against all odds, a ragtag team launches an impossible last-ditch mission into space, leaving behind everyone they love and risking everything to land
2: on the lunar surface and save our planet from annihilation. That sounds like fun. So Armageddon tries to out Independence Day, Independence Day. So now the director of Independence Day tries to out Armageddon, Armageddon.
0: Well, I mean, the director of Independence Day oh. is always trying to out Armageddon everything.
2: I mean, I, Armageddon, or not Armageddon, but Independence Day and in the day after tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. I suppose. Which I, the day after tomorrow um, It's, it's pretty has good. aged as aged well, the one thing that always bothers me about that movies are the CGI wolves that attack oh, like, Jake Gyllenhaal and, and right. Awesome. Oh yeah, that's right. Those were always like and that was always like, oh, who did that?
0: Yeah, but if it was done now, probably be a hell of a lot better. And I didn't, yeah, real wolves. I love the idea, just the visual of like the moon like coming towards
2: Earth is bananas and i love it It, and it sounds a bit melancholia esque melancholia ish right but
0: melancholia directed by roland emmerich holy cow yes different different, vibe different vibe I'm
2: i'm a little baffled by the the week's estimate of of i feel like the moon is is pretty close it's pretty close so, uh, and there was
0: a movie that you noticed that had come out recently that was similar that, to a Deep Impact Armageddon situation.
2: That was my one more thing. Yeah, it's called Greenland, and it was released apparently on December eighteenth, and oh wow, um, just just a month ago. Yes, yeah, I know. Um, it, I mean, totally flew flew under the radar. It's got uh, Gerard Butler. And uh, Morena Baccarin on it, who you oh, yeah. know from either the uh, television series Homeland, Homeland uh, Deadpool, yeah. co-stars uh, Scott Glenn is, is in there. Um, but yeah, the plot of that uh, via IMDb is um, a family fights for survival as a planet-killing comet races to Earth. John Garrity... It, uh, Gerard Butler, his estranged wife, Allison, Morena Baccarin, and young son, Nathan, make a perilous journey to their only hope for sanctuary. Amid terrifying news accounts of cities around the world being leveled by the comet's fragments, the Garrity's experience the best and worst in humanity, while they Battle the increasing panic and lawlessness surrounding them as the countdown to global apocalypse approaches zero. Their incredible trek culminates in a desperate and last-minute flight to a possible safe haven. Do you know how people can watch this? Because I want to check it out. Um, it's got to
0: just be on a streaming. Platform well, yeah, somewhere. you can
2: stream it on. Uh, it, it it's one of those you know, pay twenty dollars and and stream oh, it. Oh, deals. it's one of those. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so but it is available. Dan, this begs the question,
0: does this take place in the Friday Night Lights-averse, and is Buddy Garrity going to make an appearance?
2: If that's the case, I will shell out the 20 bucks. I was like, my $20 would be would be down if... if, if, <laughs> if, if maybe that's the safe haven. It's like Buddy Garrity's auto dealership or, or his bar, he his bar or his restaurant, right? The, the um, only safe place to go is East Dillon, Texas. Yeah. Hey man, clear eyes, full hearts can't lose <laughs> even to a giant comet. Yeah. Uh, Texas forever. Yeah. So I, yeah, I want to check that out. It said it was called Greenland, Greenland, ironically right. not filmed in Greenland, but filmed partially in Iceland. Really? Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, so uh, there's
0: one like news ish thing that I wanted to talk about just because like it's been coming up and it has to do with sequels and things like that.
2: I uh, Dan, what do you think about a new sex in the city movie without Kim Cattrall? Well, it's, I mean, it, to the best of my knowledge, not a movie, but a limited run series. Oh, I thought it was going to be another movie. Yeah. No, no, I think it's just HBO's kind of do it like they're doing with all like Dexter is coming back for like eight or 10 episodes. uh, Why are they? So Sex and the City is coming back. I mean, look, without Samantha and I I have never watched a single episode of Sex and the City nor any of the movies. But I know enough to know that the character of Samantha, as played by Kim Cattrall, had breast cancer. And Mm -hmm. that was kind of the, the first thing I thought was if you have these friends... Maybe in the aftermath, dealing with the loss of a friend. I mean, I don't know what reasons there are for Kim Cattrall not coming back. But from what I remember, she was quoted at some point
0: saying, like, why do a job if you're not having fun doing it or something like that? And uh, it seems to me like that was referring specifically to Sex in the City.
2: And not Mannequin. Not Mannequin, not Police Academy. (laughs) Not Police Academy. No. None of the other uh, greats. Uh, so, my, I mean, on, my honest feeling about it is I don't care. Yeah, I don't care uh, either. But my other, like, my, does that make sense? Is it just, like, that was the first thing that popped into my head was it would make perfect sense that she would have, you know, come out of remission. Um, that, yeah, I mean, there's so many, re- like, it's been a while since the last movie, so...
0: There are a lot of reasons you you can write off any of them. On Twitter, a lot of people have been speculating a possible replacement, and I just thought of a great replacement. Billy Eichner. If Michael Pena can replace Stanley Tucci, why not Kim Cattrall?
2: And that is how you get me to watch (laughs) Sex in the City. (laughs) You've already purchased your ticket. Michael Pena (laughs) takes over. Would he be playing Samantha, or just, like, would he be a new member of the crew? No, he's just Samantha. He's Samantha, yeah. yeah, and they just don't comment on it, and he's just there. And as long as he can summarize the events of each episode,
0: oh, at the like in the next episode, like an ant man,
2: like <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. Ant man, his, his role in Ant Man is like Baskin
2: Robbins, don't play,
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, like he's so good, and his scenes are so funny, and I just love the way that he plays it so much. And it's like, you know, say, it would. Everyone can say what you will about Marvel movies, but like that one is super entertaining, largely due to Michael Peña. I mean, Paul Rudd, does, you know, he certainly
2: helps no, it. No, that one stands out. Way. Ant, it stands Ant, out. Ant-Man stands out in yeah. the Marvel Surprisingly, universe.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Surprisingly, <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't, but the cast makes it just work so well. But anyway, we're going way off topic. We're talking about Bowfinger today. Well, hold on. I had a oh, I, you I kind thing. of
2: I had a, a well, a news item. It's been, you know, that's been in on the internet, and this is regarding the casting. And this it's not really a remake reboot thing, but uh Aaron Sorkin is planning to make a film about um <sighs> Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, who I saw referred to as Desi Ricardo in a headline about this. I don't know if it was like Hollywood Reporter or Deadline or something, but referred to him as Desi Ricardo. That's and weird. The casting of Nicole Kidman as, and because it's not an HBO drama series, I'm baffled by that casting. Um, but Javier Bardem as as Desi, I don't know when they're setting this. I, I like Javier Bardem a lot, but I... Just in the running it. in the running for best like top 5 bond villains perhaps top 3 oh, bond villains oh my god and Absolutely. Javier Bardem, I mean no country for old men yeah we could go yeah. on and on about how awesome Javier Bardem is but is he the right Ooh. and and I bring this up because one of the actors that people were like how are you casting Javier Bardem when Oscar Isaac oh my god
0: Oscar Isaac yeah.
2: so which by the way if you if you love Oscar Isaac like we do check out at um tpublic.com our yeah. Oscar link in Isaac the description t-shirt yeah yeah um uh, it was Oscar Isaac and always I delivers who, i forget who else was mentioned but it was like they were two other actors that you were like yes uh-huh. they, i could much more easily see them as as desi arnaz and and nicole i saw someone um i, I saw someone tweeted about like Anna Faris as Lucille Ball because Anna Faris in her well yeah no no that's the thing I'm like I, I'm I'm kind of wincing and shaking my head for those well, I like Anna Faris me, is everybody I like Anna Faris and her performances a lot of her m- more comedic performances have a Lucy quality to them
0: yeah. I don't
2: I would I'm like what about Jessica Chastain
0: yeah, maybe. I, I mean,
2: I, it's a, that's such a hard person
0: to cast in any type of biopic because it's such a specific type of person.
2: Yeah, and I just like I love Nicole Kidman, but I feel like, uh, and I, I know nothing. I know nothing okay. more about the project. I don't know when they're setting this, but if
0: if you're playing Lucille Ball, you need to have a face that can move into different expressions.
2: not just concerned and con- contemplative yeah. yeah and
0: which she you know i th- i th- i think that nicole kidman is an extremely talented actress i really enjoy a lot of her work but she's good at what she does and this is not Nic- what she does
2: uh, now i would say nicole kidman 2001 like Moulin okay. Rouge, because if you look at Moulin Rouge, her performance is so vibrant and right. she does a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I could see I could see Nicole Kidman 20 years ago. OK, OK. I got a Lucy for you. How about Michelle Williams? Well, Michelle Williams could do any Michelle Williams could replace Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but but absolutely. But yes, Michelle Williams um, in uh, on many levels, I think would be an excellent choice. Yeah. For Lucille Ball. And there I, there are so many actresses, uh, you know, both like big name actresses and actresses that that might not be the names that come to mind. But who probably be plenty ex- of people we don't even know about. I mean, but think about like comedians and uh, your, your talented people. I'm sorry. Kristen Wiig popped into my head and I just had oh, like she's in- always the first. I had an internal debate about whether, like, in that split second, an internal debate in my head over whether Kristen Wiig would actually make a great Lucille Ball. And I'm like, I don't know. I think I could do it. I think I could buy it. I think that one of the funniest
0: Saturday Night Live sketches in the past 20 years has to be Liza Minnelli turning off a lamp. Have you not seen this? I haven't
2: seen that one. It's
0: just, like, four minutes of Kristen Wiig as Liza Minnelli trying to turn off a lamp.
2: Sugar, babe, it's the opening night of Cats and the curtain goes up in 15 minutes. We got a Liza.
3: Oh, sure, I'd be delighted. Just let me turn off some of these lamps. And now, Liza Minnelli tries to turn off a lamp.
0: Want me to help you, Eliza? Oh, no,
3: darling, you just relax. I just need to find the clicker or the switch that turns this whole cuckoo thing down. Is there a little knob
2: on here that you turn and everything goes black? it's well, i know what i'm watching when we're done <laughs> like uh, you i need you've nothing. already bought your ticket you've already bought you your have ticket. 20 dollars sold i will watch kristen wig as liza minnelli turning off a lamp absolutely i'm it's writing this like down. it could go on for an
0: entire day and i would watch every second of it but uh, i think of Chris- like clockwork orange peel my eyelids open <laughs>
2: style I, I i think of kristen wig doing the the character that and like aunt uh, like the aunt who can't, who, who can't keep a secret. Oh, who can't yeah. Keep a surprise. And oh, yeah. She did that on
0: her recent hosting. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think about that. And then I picture her doing scenes from I Love Lucy doing like the candy factory. And she's just one of the best. She'd be brilliant. But yeah. she, again, not the only one. And Michelle Williams, of course, amazing. So, right. but I think that's, that's interesting. And, I I think it would be – it's an interesting project for Aaron Sorkin to do. I mean, you have
0: to wonder the vibe of this thing and, like, what it's really about. Like, I don't know. Is it just about their tumultuous relationship and, you know?
2: I would imagine so. I can't imagine
0: it's just about, like, the basic biopic type of stuff.
2: I'm guessing – It'll pro- it'll focus on his professional jealousy of her, her power, like how how, and I'm saying this with very little research, pure speculation, to back it up, yeah. But how over the course of of the series, how she became more powerful and he kind of lost status and became right. like a second banana to her, second fiddle to her. And there is that professional jealousy. I do wonder if they're going to option Weird Al Yankovic's Ricky. Oh, and
0: and Dan Probably speaking, not. and speaking of, and speaking of Babalu, you can go on our T Public store and get our written by Bobaloo <laughs> Lowell Gans and Bobaloo Mendel shirt. <laughs> oh,
2: we have fun here. Nineteen ninety nine Bowfinger. Let's talk. Oh, about man. It. Should we I mean I know we've talked about 1999 before but what a mm-hmm. year for movies. Yeah, lay it across out across the board. Just I from your you know popular cinema I remember going to the movies early that year seeing things like Cruel Intentions. Oh yeah. Analyze this. Um I think Go was that year Sounds as well. About right. Doug Liman's uh Go uh of Timothy Olyphant. Um in that and you can get that t-shirt too yes you can
0: (laughs) tpublic.com slash user slash ruined childhoods Uh, or just go to the link in the episode description
2: (laughs) um and you have the big block star wars episode one the long-awaited star wars episode one regardless of what you think of it it was a major cinematic event it was such
0: a major cinematic event that Our brother Scott and I stood in line waiting to go to a midnight screening of it at the Rialto in Westfield uh, and made it on the New Jersey Network News. Uh, I was chanting Star Wars, Star Wars, and Scott was standing in the middle of the street with a Darth Vader helmet on doing a jig with a lightsaber because we were weird teens and that was supposed to be the night before you graduated from college, but it got delayed because of weather. I believe. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, and I, I, I think if you go back in the archives uh, to some other 1999 movie that we've covered, uh, that that story, we might have even posted that video. Oh, possibly on Instagram yeah. at some point. And then, in terms of your like independent films, art house cinema, being John Malkovich oh, is released yeah. that year. Um, which just totally blew my mind and, and it's
0: incredible. And I watched yeah. it recently holds up just as good as the first time I saw it.
2: Absolutely. So you've got all you've got from the blockbusters to the art house, you've got so much going on. In 19, American pie as, as was right. referenced in, uh, in in, yeah, the, in the intro, the intro, um, yeah, and I believe they're also he was also referencing there's something about Mary which came something out. Something
0: about Mary. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The second Austin Powers came out in ninety nine. That was a big one. The South Park movie came the out. The second in 99. Austin
0: Powers, I believe, also
2: featuring Heather Graham. Yes. Heather Graham, who, so, I mean, and Heather Graham had been, you know, acting, had been in Hollywood. I'm not Joel. sure if Drugstore Cowboy was she her. She started her in, the, to, in like drive. 84. License to Drive was definitely
0: one of her first. But uh, she was, around, I mean, and then, of course, just the year before with Boogie
2: Nights. Two, two years. Two yeah, years before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then, yeah, 1999, all these big movies coming out. And then- you got Bowfinger, which comes out in um, late... Uh, let me just take a look. Uh, I, I I remember it coming out, yeah, in August 99. August so, 13th, 99. Mm-hmm. To me, this movie was... Of all, like, so many movies that came out in 1999, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy, two of my yeah. comedy heroes... Right. ...teaming up, and Frank Oz one of my favorite Mm -hmm. directors directing him directing them and this was just such a uh i was so excited to see this movie i saw it at the westfield rialto by the way (laughs) in the upstairs Oh, okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that, you know, I don't really remember so much about this movie coming out. I remember that it came out, I think it was just the year after Bullworth. And I think that for a long time, I confused the two of them in my mind because they had such similar titles. Very different movies. I mean, not super different movies. They're, they're
2: different in some ways, but they're, they're still late nineties comedies. Yes, you Bullworth know, being a much darker satire, uh, yeah. this also being a satire. This being a satire as well. And yeah. Bullworth being definitely more about politics, but also definitely uh, putting Hollywood on the fire a yeah. little bit in Bullworth. So, okay, so you, you confused those uh those Oh, just two? like for a few
0: years, you know, until I like saw Bowfinger and was like, oh, no, 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 this movie's amazing and i need to just always remember the difference between these two because it's significant because, um, what's up
2: oh it, it, if i may sorry i was as i was just in my mind thinking of all the great movies that came out in 99 i i just remembered about election a oh, movie yeah. that came out in 99 and and we need to pour one out because jessica campbell the actress who played tammy um in that Passed away.
0: Oh no! Yeah, how long
2: ago? I like uh, today. Um. Oh, really? Uh, or or yesterday? I remember seeing this, and I had been uh. thinking earlier. And um. Oh, sorry, not today, December 29th. So just recently. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, yeah definitely pour one out. She's great in Election. Oh yeah, and such a good movie. Such mm-hmm. a great movie. Totally worth going back to. But um, and another another great satire, another awesome movie that comes out in 1999.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we were talking a lot about how independent films were really uh, kind of making their mark around that time. You know, especially in the 90s, that's when like independent films started to become really dipping into the mainstream. And uh, Election is definitely one of those where it's like what is like, you know, it's the kind of thing where you watch and it's like, what am I watching? It's just so very bizarre. Well, and uh, in-
2: interesting. Yeah. Uh, also,
0: just, I just also want to shout uh, out Jessica Campbell's performance in freaks and geeks. Cause she's, Oh uh, yeah. In that too.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so election was, and I think American beauty or was that year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but with election, it was pre- I remember it was MTV films. Right, yeah. MTV films, and it's based on a novel by Tom Parada. and uh, Tom it's Parada great... is from either our hometown or the Westfield. town right next to it. I oh, think he's... he's from Westfield. And I think election, even though in the movie it takes place, I think somewhere in the Midwest, like in, in Ohio. Uh, I think in the book it's not specified, but it, I, I, I think thought it's that he had to be... like a,
0: t- a connection to Garwood for some reason. Well, another name. Gar-
2: Garwood is just a ligament connecting Cranford and Westfield. I, uh, I understand. It's there to supply think... groceries and fast food. Yes. I uh, apologies uh, to anyone from Garwood who's listening. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh, and uh, Jessica Campbell, she was living here in Portland. Oh, I don't know. Just a thing. Oh, yeah.
2: No, he was. He is from from Garwood. Okay. Thank Born you. Morning, Garwood. Hello. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, I uh, yeah. Uh, Fantastic writer. Uh, he also wrote like Little Children, tons of stuff. Um, yeah. Really, really talented yeah. person. And and all of the stuff kind of takes place in the same area. Uh, th- the uh, Mrs. Fletcher, which the HBO series with uh, Catherine Han, that is also Tom Parada property. And uh, yeah, so.
2: I was just disappointed but- that that wasn't like a murder. She wrote prequel. Oh,
0: Mrs. Fletcher is a really great series. And Catherine yeah. Hahn is awesome. Actually, I think I saw somebody floating her name around as a. Uh, I would love to oh. see as Lucy. I don't know if I necessarily see it. I think she's awesome, but I just. Don't
2: I know love her in the, the the Bad Moms movies. Oh, she's those. so funny. She's outrageous yeah. in
0: those. Uh, so, yeah, no, let's, let's talk more about um, Bowfinger. Yeah, Bowfinger. So, yeah. yeah. That's what we're here to do. Yeah, this movie. It's, you know, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy. I think that Eddie Murphy said that he took the role just so that he could work with Steve Martin. And it's really interesting because this is an era, It's it was kind of looked to be kind of a comeback movie for the two of them, because they both kind of like taken a dip, I would say. And it was really interesting to see Eddie Murphy, even though in it he plays the hottest actor in town, but... I don't know. He kind of plays like second fiddle to Steve Martin. And uh, the more you think about it, like, I don't know, just the way that it plays itself, it feels less of an Eddie Murphy movie. But then, uh, I don't know, when you think about it, you're just like, oh no, Eddie Murphy is like really doing so much in this that it kind of gets awesome, especially when he's playing uh Jif.
2: <laughs> which it's funny because Eddie Murphy, after uh, I would say starting with I, I think coming to America, kind of was known for take for doing like multiple parts in the movie, like playing right, the main yeah. role, but then other parts and like Nutty Professor. Sure, of course. he takes on all the roles, and but those are all kind of generated. I feel like that's more generated by him, whereas yeah. this is not. It's a screenplay written. It's written by Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he and. It's they're two entirely separate characters. It's not like one is being played for real and the other is being played for jokes, which is kind of. Yeah. Nutty Professor is kind of you know like that. Yeah. But um, the his performance in both roles is awesome, especially it, as Jiff, especially as oh Gif. yeah,
0: Jefferson Jiff Ramsey. <laughs> i didn't realize that it was short for Jefferson until i saw it on wikipedia but because i don't remember it coming up that way in the movie he mumbles it oh maybe Jefferson. that's so funny
2: he mumbles it when he first meets when he first meets i mean he's wearing like the oversized like he's he's definitely wearing that like late 90s style like the oversized uh oh yeah and he's you know got braces and he's got this
0: crazy just like look on his face and uh we'll go into some more but i want to do the synopsis first it's a brief one uh and i hope that i i cover enough but here we go scraping by on sheer guts bobby bowfinger fulfills his dream of making a big hollywood movie the only way he knows how with an elaborate lie Thinking that they have landed the biggest star for their alien takeover film Chubby Rain, Bowfinger manages to convince them that all is going according to plan and that Hollywood superstar Kit Ramsey can only be filmed from afar without anyone letting on to him that he is even in the movie. They even go far as to cast a lookalike for Close Shots, who happens to be Kit's brother. By pure luck, the entire ruse falls into place, largely due to Kit's actual paranoia of being followed, and it manages to stay under wraps thanks to Mindhead, the cult-like organization Kit is a member of, who urges him to keep it together. Ultimately, the con really works due to the gumption of Bobby Bowfinger, who makes it his mission to make everything work, not just for his own career, but also for his friends. That's it. So, Bobby Bowfinger is Steve Martin. uh, Eddie Murphy plays Kit and Jiff Ramsey. Heather Graham plays... Daisy who is a country bumpkin who comes to Hollywood and basically gets off the bus and says where do I go to be in a movie and uh, <laughs> ends up sleeping with absolutely everybody on the set to get you know to get on top uh Christine Baranski stealing scenes as Brilliant. Carol who's Brilliant. this like you know she's this theater actor who just like she's moira rose she's moira rose she is exactly moira rose oh my goodness i love it uh terrence stamp plays terry stritcher who's the mind head uh main person i guess um you have robert downey jr as this hollywood executive jerry renfro uh jamie kennedy plays dave the cinematographer and uh let's see who else do we have here Uh, An early performance by John Cho as just a very, very small role. Anyway, it's so great. And I could talk about Christine
2: Baranski all day. Can I tell you how frustrating it has been for the last 20 years that this movie is not more widely known because of how many times I have either just referenced it because I don't care who gets it. Or uh-huh. the number of times I have so just like KIT, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, sh- showing it to the Laker girls.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah. So there's this whole thing <laughs> with uh, Mindhead where they're, you know, he's, in, he's, he's an extremely paranoid person and they're trying to get him to KIT, keep it together. And then the other issue that he has is that he really wants to show his Wang to the Laker girls. It's like <laughs> eating him up inside. He wants to do it so badly. And they're just like, do not expose yourself to the Laker girls. It's such a weird joke. It's such a weird joke that but comes back in the funniest way.
2: It gets even weirder when um, <laughs> and I'm I'm sorry I don't I don't think we have the uh, the clip to play but, um the, the, it's the voice of John F Kennedy in his head <laughs> telling him. <laughs> To show it to the Laker girls. Well, you know what? Why don't we uh, play a quick, a quick little clip
0: from uh, Eddie Murphy as Kit with, um, with Terry Stritcher, the head of yeah. Mindhead.
3: It seems as though you're doing much better. Yes. Yes. Your paranoia is definitely under control since you came to understand happy premise number one. Happy premise number one. There are no aliens. Happy premise number two. Happy premise number two. There is no giant foot trying to squash me. Happy premise number three. Happy premise number three. Even though I feel like I might ignite, I probably won't. So,
0: what do we do? Keep it together. Keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together.
3: together. And what is it we don't do under any circumstances? Oh, man. What is it? (laughs) I have to show it to the Laker girls. You cannot show it to the Laker girls. Keep Mr. Weenie in the pants. Always in the pants. I know you want to show it to the Laker girls, but you must never show it to the Laker girls.
2: I just love that. It's so (laughs) good. I love the delivery of it. I love the way it's written that he repeats Laker Girls. I love that it keeps coming. The first 20 minutes of this movie set the rest of it up so wonderfully.
0: What's also so funny about this movie is that, you know, you're watching this movie about the making of a super low budget indie movie. And... There's something about it, and I don't know if it's because at the time there were all these other movies coming out. Like, this opened up against the Sixth Sense, where it's like, you know, there's all these other movies that feel just a lot more grand and real. And this movie, it's about a not really real movie, and it kind of doesn't feel like a real movie. And I feel like that's kind of designed to kind of feel that way. Uh, It's not meant to feel like a big I don't know, experience. You're kind of in it with them. It kind of draws you in and makes you feel like you're in this, this small little isolated world that they're in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I don't, are you talking about the like chubby rain? No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about Bowfinger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and,
0: and and also when it does go to those Eddie Murphy scenes where he's Kit, like you feel like he's a real, like Kit Ramsey is a real person who has these really real bizarre problems because he plays it so well. And I feel like this is just like an awesome time in Eddie Murphy's career where he's committing in a different way. He's not playing everything for outrageous laughs in this movie, as opposed to how it is kind of in things like the Nutty professor.
2: And I think that it, it not being a, Eddie Murphy movie. Right. It it helps him. I owe always- Yeah, well,
0: he clearly respects Steve Martin's writing and and his talent. I mean, Steve Martin is kind of like a generation before him, just ever so slightly. And yeah. Yeah. you know, it's kind of like Steve Martin kind of like created a pathway for people like Eddie Murphy a little bit.
2: Well, yeah, Steve Martin. Humor he went from stand up and to yeah. to um you know to film and yeah. yeah and what i like about bowfinger is that it is whereas it's it's like it's set in the real world but it, everything in the world that they create is just a little off and they establish it to the point that like you buy it when yeah. things happen that you're like, okay, well, that wouldn't really happen. But they set it up so wonderfully in this alternate, you know, like mind head being a thing. or well, Right, which is a riff on Scientology. A riff on Scientology. Oh, yeah. which, by the way, I, I've always appreciated this. And I'm like excited to finally actually talk about it. The title Chubby Rain of uh-huh. the movie that's written by the accountant. Afram. Yeah. And if you want, do you want me to play the scene first where he,
0: he explains to his little crew about chubby rain?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then I don't want to talk yeah. about the title.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's do that real quick.
2: But we are not the
1: big guys. We are the little guys. We never had muscle before, but now we do. Because last night, I read a screenplay that every studio in town is going to want. And how did we get this screenplay? Because Afram here is a damn fine writer as well as accountant and part-time receptionist. I said, Afram, if you can write as well as you can add... Well, I didn't even have to finish my sentence. Twelve days later, he hands me this. This masterpiece.
3: Thank you, boss.
1: All right. Tell him the title. Ah, Chubby
3: Rain. What? Chubby Rain. Tell him why. You see, the aliens come down to Earth... In the raindrops. Yeah. Making the raindrops chubby. Aliens in the raindrops, chubby rain. I mean, at
1: the end of this movie, when our hero, Keith Kincaid, looks up at the alien antenna and
3: says, gotcha, suckers.
2: I mean, that is a moment. Talk. There's another reference that I I tend to make that I'm like, I don't think anyone's going to get that. Like, gotcha, suckers. Gotcha,
0: suckers, yeah. But
2: the name Chubby Rain... Let's talk about that for a moment because I have a theory about that. Okay, go on. I think it is an obscure erection joke parodying the title of the, I believe, nineteen ninety eight action movie, Hard Rain. <laughs> because you know what's one of the many euphemisms for an erection? Oh a my chubby. god, that's so funny! Hard Rain, Christian Slater and Morgan Freeman. <laughs> it's a
0: yeah, it's a it's a great theory. Should you ever run into Steve Martin, I really hope that you ask him. I that love that. Reference.
2: I if I ever run to, run into Steve Martin, I I don't know. I'm gonna like just lose it. But um, yeah, it, that's it, great. It, uh, but I also have to say the idea of aliens invading by like. Going into the so, like, if you imagine an alien species that could shrink down to the size of, mm-hmm. of something that could fit inside a raindrop to make it just a little chubbier, that's actually a really fun idea. I yeah. like that. Yeah, I'd go I for that. I think it's I'd pay $20. There you go. Ticket
0: purchased. So, what, what I love, uh, and you hear it in his voice in that clip, where it's like Bobby Bowfinger is somebody who is extremely supportive over these little people. These people who, you know, he's this guy's an accountant and part-time receptionist, and he asks him to just write a script. He's like, "Hey, I, I've, why not? Why wouldn't you be able to write a script?" And he loves it. Clearly, it's not great, but I don't know. It's like he really believes in his people, and he just was so committed to making this movie happen.
2: Well when you take it, when you take the the like the production value of when they're actually making Chubby Rain which is borderline like you know you you're you're a teenager with a camcorder in the 1990s yeah. and you're doing your own little like homemade special effects that's the production value but when you think about a lot of the the story and the conspiracy I'd be interested to read that that script <laughs> Chubby <Yeah>. Rain <laughs> Yeah, uh, I now I just want to play the
0: clip for so. So then, what happens is he finds all these clever ways to get himself next to Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Jerry Renfro, in order to kind of talk up this movie, Chubby Rain, to try to get him to produce it. And uh, he goes in there, he's got this fake little ponytail on, he, uh, borrows, and I'm putting that in quotes, a car from uh Dave, the the cinematog- his cinematographer friend who works at a garage gets him a nice looking car so that he can well, he go works to the a restaurant. At a at a, st- at a movie well, he, studio. He works yeah. at a studio, right, but he works in the garage and is able to get him uh, you know, these nice looking cars to borrow for like forty-five minutes so he can go out and do his crazy antics so this is uh this is steve martin with rubber johnny jr at the restaurant
1: universal is begging me for this script but i don't want to give it to him because they screwed me once you really ought to take, take a look this. at the story. yeah take a look at it, yeah. it Star Snipes. that's not it what's what me? all this yeah right gotcha suckers wow that is a catchphrase isn't huh? that good I, I just saw the poster Let's be risky today, huh? I'm going to go with this. You know, you bring me this script and Kit Ramsey, and you got yourself a go picture, Bobby. Oh,
2: okay. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. How great is it, by the way? So he takes the car phone out of the car, and oh, it was 1989, so car phones actually had cords. Yeah. So he just rips the cord out, and as he's talking, as he's pretending to talk, on the phone being really obnoxious as the cord comes out of his sleeve and you just see the, the torn cord hanging there. Oh, and he had taken the, remember he takes the ponytail off oh, when yeah, he goes in, in but bag. then when he goes to give Jerry Renfro his card, the ponytail is like, stuck yeah. With it and he just gives it to him. And Robert Downey Jr. Is fantastic in the scene. I he's love great. him when he's, I just saw the poster.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Love Robert Downey Jr. I, I feel like, this character and his character in Soap Dish are somehow related.
2: Wow. I would love. I mean, this is David <laughs> Seaton Barnes. Uh, yeah. You know, later he well, changes his name. and Right.
0: Totally. After the whole
2: uh, Montana Mo- Moorhead situation. Milton, Milton Moorhead. Milton yeah. Moorhead. So, so uh, check out yes. the Soap Dish episode. It's in the archives. Yeah. <laughs> Way back in the archives. So. Yeah. I
0: don't know, this whole this whole movie just, it feels really comfortable when you're in it, and there were a lot of moments where I, even though I've seen this movie a bunch of times before, just like, could not stop laughing. And I think that a scene that I, because I watched it a few nights ago, and I think that one scene that made me laugh harder this time than it had in the past is the scene where they have Jif acting as Kit Ramsey, and they have him cross over, the highway with cars whipping by and Steve Martin tells him like, Oh, these are all stunt drivers. You know, they're not going to hit you, which it's just like, how can you ask somebody to do that? That is wild. And the, the look on Eddie Murphy's face as he's doing this is absolutely beautiful. It's not just the
2: face, the physicality of it. His, 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 just his body as he's freezing up. And, uh, I remember, I I didn't I I watched it recently I watched it the other night uh, I did not watch it with the commentary track but I had mm-hmm. I remembered the commentary track and hearing Frank Oz talk about how a lot of the cars were digitally added in which by right. the way there's there's one of your less realistic aspects of the movie is that a Los Angeles freeway during the day is moving at such a pace oh. so <laughs> but it, it's yeah. so funny and Heather Graham. Uh, on, on the side, doing her and Heather Graham's accent, her accent that she uses as this character, Keith, Keith. (laughs) It's It's, so weird. You forgot your briefcase. It's so funny. And yeah, that scene is, is hilarious. Yeah. They're all stunt drivers. And then after he crosses the road and and they're like, all right, I want you to go to Starbucks and get us some coffee. Yeah. So,
0: so Jif's whole thing is that he really just wants to run errands for them. And it's like the other stuff is, you know, not really his favorite stuff, but he loves running errands. So he comes back and he's like, "Oh yeah, so I need you. This is really important. Need you go to Starbucks and get us all these coffees and blah 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 blah." And he's like, "Okay, great, great." great. He's like, "All right, but but first, let's do that one more time." <laughs> and then it just cuts to the close-up of his face, just looking terrified on the other side of the highway. It's so good.
2: It is, yeah. I I definitely laughed. I la- I was laughing out loud quite a bit while I was watching this again. And there's so much there. There's a lot of subtlety in a lot of the jokes. A lot of things that could pass you by. Um, another aspect of Kit Ramsey's character is he that you know he's perceiving racism in Hollywood, and that mm-hmm. oh yeah, all of the white actors get Oscars and get the best catchphrases. They even they set that up. Yeah. and I, I, when he's talking about arnold schwarzenegger and, and he goes they can't even speak english good <laughs> which you know grammar nerd here sure. uh, yeah so things like that were were great when he talks about like shakespeare and he brings up That it's shake a spear. You hear what they're saying? Shake a spear, which scary movie ripped that joke off from both Oh, and and also
0: he says how he couldn't play Keith Kincaid because there's three K's in the name and
2: KKK. and uh, It's just. Oh, was that about Keith Kincaid? Was it not? No, that was another script that he had where he's like, I ran it through the computer. The number K appears in this like X amount of times. It's divisible by three. Right, well, that was another
0: one, and then he, I think that when he sees that, this script, because Bowfinger manages to get into his, like, behind his gates, and he sees the script, and wasn't there something about Keith Kincaid? Keith Kincaid Kincaid? only has two Ks in it, because the, the, because... Keith, the K in Keith, and then K-I-N-K-A-I-D? K-I-N-C-A-I-D? Well, anyway, there was some reference to the
2: name having three Ks in it, so he wouldn't do something. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I miss that having to do with the Keith Kincaid bit because he doesn't, well, no, because he doesn't even know when people are running up to him, calling him Keith and uh, he doesn't well, even know yeah. what's going on.
0: Well, absolutely. And I think that's a, a good opportunity to sneak in. Uh, I want to do the clip of him talking with Christine Baranski's character, Carol, uh, for the first time because she approaches him. After she has been told, do not approach him, do not talk to him about this movie, it is his acting method to only be shot from afar and not be aware, like, not be let on that he's even in a movie, and Christine Baranski, ah, absolutely perfect.
3: I know that I'm not supposed to be doing this, but I just want you to know that you were so real in your response to the aliens i mean i wasn't even sure that i could be a pod person but now of course i'm enjoying it because you made the aliens come alive it was like they were living inside of me oh and at first i was nervous about us having sex but now i think it's a good idea as long as we do it in a completely professional manner and of course uh, you know there'll be a lot of people watching i won't bother you anymore
2: it's just so weird well, and what about the scene? So uh, the scene when, when he's having lunch with his agent at the mm-hmm. Rodeo Grill and the agent conveniently gets up to, as he says, schmooze. Uh, oh, right. That's and, so funny. and she, that's where Christine Baranski has her first like chubby rain scene. Right. With him. Uh, and the way that she ends it with the, I must get my umbrella line is. <laughs> Magnificent, she is just perfect. I mean, there's so many things. I, I, another, uh, another one of those references. Um, the scene when she's when they, when they're doing the first scene, the scene when it's Heather Graham is running out of the oh, gates yeah. uh, of the, the house, and, and Christine Ber- and Christine Baranski asks, "Shouldn't
3: I be in this scene?" Yeah, let me put that in the I hop. Could be
2: I could, be, I could lurking be lurking behind a bush. I, I, like, I think about that line randomly sometimes and start laughing.
0: I just think about
2: some of her facial expressions
0: when she gets really wide-eyed and, like, crazy-looking. But I think I have the clip that you're talking about where um she's doing the scene. She's about yeah. to do the first oh, scene. Yeah, so let's awesome. just play that real let's quick. Let's play it. I was 25 years in the theater
3: before coming to Hollywood. Carol?
1: We are almost ready.
3: My darling, I still don't see why I can't meet the man I'm going to be working with. Well,
1: I just spoke with Kit. He wants to impress you so much with his acting and he needs his total concentration.
3: Oh, that's just young. I know. I wish just once I could work with someone who would hone the craft. Right, but right now we need that scene, Carol. You'll get your scene. He may not be a professional, but I am.
1: Oh, Carol.
2: Oh. <laughs> I would watch just as a cut, just like, um... All of her scenes cut together. I mean, you're totally
0: right. She is Moira Rose. Like, forget everything that I was going to say about any type of remake or sequel or anything. Like, I want to see the movie with Carol and Moira
2: Rose together. Well, and it was funny because that was I in thinking about it and thinking about because there's this great cast of characters that you really don't get that much information about outside of what's relevant to uh, to to this film yeah. And in thinking about like, wow, like what about a sequel a sequel that focused on Carol and like where her career has gone, and I was like, well, she's Moira Rose, she's Moira Rose, yeah yeah, she's Moira Rose uh but yes, to see something with Carol and Moira like Carol would be doing fruit wine ads <laughs> absolutely, and putting everything into it a hundred percent
0: uh yeah, and then um, just while we're on the subject of Carol, she does have the, you know, not the end-end, because end, we'll talk about that in a minute, but when the the jig is up and uh, they are exposed for doing this entire ruse, um, and then the kind of the core group without uh, Bowfinger just kind of sitting around, and then she just has this kind of great moment at the end. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I have eight brothers and four sisters and no job! I'm screwed. There's no movie. I mean, I can't believe there's no movie. You know, I wasn't looking for work because I thought I was working.
1: I showed my breasts on film. For what?
3: I'm a felon. My friends, I have a cousin who's a lawyer. I say we take action. We sue. Sue, sue. Carol, what do you think? I think... I think it was a beautiful lie.
2: It's just such it a makes, nice moment. And it makes so much sense because it, if you look at these characters, Dave and Slater uh, and um, that Heather Graham's character, uh, Daisy. Daisy they're younger. Afram, Afram Afram doesn't seem like he kind of grew up wanting to be in the movie business and kind of happened into it. But when you think about Carol and Bowfinger, they're around the same age. They have clearly been, have invested their lives into this. So she gets it. And I love that the script gets that and gets that across. Like she totally gets it. And Another thing I, I I don't think we mentioned this yet, but that Bowfinger is funding the movie. Oh yeah, with money that he's saved up since he was what ten, something like that. 12, like putting something. money, like every week he would put a certain amount of money into a box, and if he missed yeah. one week, he'd make it up. And like you see him throughout the movie going through the cash he has, and it it it, it makes the more despicable things that he does you know lying stealing daisy's credit card right (laughs)
0: that was a moment where i was like ah i uh, i really wanted you to can to still just be good and have this main lie just be the one bad thing if for some reason she happened to reveal that she has a bunch of money and was just like oh yeah you can have what do you need you know Because at the beginning, when she goes to audition for the movie and he's asking for $25, she's ready to write a check without asking any questions.
2: Yeah. But she doesn't have cash. So he assumes she doesn't have money. And I just, I wonder if that decision is kind of made because she has, it's already been established that she is sleeping with whoever she thinks can get her to the next level. So. I wonder how much of that... And I'm not saying that there's an equivalence between the two. One is theft, one is sex. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm trying
0: to remember. First, it's with the other actor. Slater. Right? Yeah. Slater. And played by Cole Sudduth. I don't... I'm not familiar with him. Suduth. Uh, Sudduth. Sudduth. And then... Is she Afram? with Bowfinger? Afram. It's, it's,
2: so it's, yeah. All oh, right, Afrem comes Slater, before Bowfinger. Aphrom, Bowfinger, then, then Dave. GIF. Oh, right. And then Dave. Yeah. I think Dave comes before Jif. Then it's Jif. Then it's
0: Kit. Right. And then and, it's the most powerful lesbian in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but while we're on the subject, I, one of my favorite moments is one Dan, that you actually asked me to pull uh, a sound clip for. So I just want to play that really quick.
1: We are finished. We are over. How come you had sex with Jiff? So. Well, I never thought of it that way. I'll we'll see you tonight. What time?
2: Eight. Okay. <laughs> well, I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> I yeah, uh. the banter. Well, and and I think and I think that that was um. That's a really that's a great example because it it shows that you know they're they're morally they're kind of on even ground. Sure,
0: yeah, they're all doing what they have to do.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean and they're all
2: and being sneaky.
0: Yeah, and it's not like Bowfinger is taking her money to do things selfishly for himself only. He's doing it for everybody. You know, like he does shady things for. Him's not even really for himself because, like, you know, at the beginning when he steals the like nice jacket from the clothing store, uh, which is hilarious the way that he does mm-hmm. it, you know, he's not doing it because he just wants a nice jacket, he's doing it so that he can impress somebody so that he can get this movie made for these people. So,
2: yeah, he does have that one line though where he says, uh, something about, um, of course, I d- I didn't ask you to pull this clip, but he says he's uh, he says and when we succeed, and by we I mean me, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Somebody's but it's mean just classic th- Steve Martin,
0: right? But the whole thing, the whole Chubby Rain movie happens because he, you know, he tries to get it made. He does. He goes through lengths to get to try to get Kit on board, legit with this. And he just can't bring himself to let down his friends. And instead of letting them down, he creates this
2: whole giant ruse to make it work out. He has that. He And he does have some really genuine moments that sell that. Um, yeah. and, and it's more like you see it in his face, like when he's standing in front of everyone and he sees them and he just takes that moment and he's just yeah. like, yeah, you know who I see here. And And let's not forget also... Just in the many dimensions of this screenplay, there are the characters of the film crew, yeah, the four <laughs> Mexican immigrants that he <laughs> picks up at the border.
0: Well, yeah, well, he I think leading up to that, he says to, um, I don't know if it's Dave or somebody, he's like, all right, we got to get the best crew we can buy, like best crew money can buy. And yeah. it just cuts to the border with you hear gunshots and just... Mexicans running and they have the van back door open and they're like, Come on in, come on, in, come on in.
2: It is oh my god, but it the is pro- such a what's up? The progression of those characters. Oh, they're like you don't know much, about, but as the movie goes by, they start to, they learn more about film. And by the end, yeah. they're talking about classic cinema and different yeah. filmmakers. And well, and also it's like, they all have like cell
0: phones and mm-hmm. I, they're getting
2: job offers. They're getting job
0: offers. Yeah. By the end. Yeah. They're kind of great. And, uh, you know, the, that moment could have been played just for the one joke of like picking up immigrants from the border and uh, instead they kind of make those characters into be i don't know probably some of the the i don't know the best characters that i don't know they just they're just well, they're, work so
2: well they're great characters to keep an eye on because of that development and how like it's not like they were coming to america to break into the movie industry but here they right. are and as they're working in it. And and, there's another 1999 movie because they referenced Stanley Kubrick at one point and Eyes Wide Shut, 1999. Um, Yeah. Stanley Kubrick's last film. Speaking of Nicole Kidman.
0: Speaking of Nicole Kidman in an excellent role. She's great in that. Absolutely. So one of the things that I saw about this is that it, and and I, I only saw it in one place so I can't speak to the legitimacy of this. I think it was in the IMDb Trivia. But it was stated that there was an inspiration for this from an actual thing that happened with uh, Mary Pickford. Somebody had stitched together footage of her just kind of out and about and built a movie around it. I think that's how the story goes. Was
2: it like in Europe? Was it it in Europe? She was uh, vacationing in Europe or something. Yeah, I remember reading that.
0: Yeah, and I... It's such a fascinating thing. I mean, first of all, in, you know, the time when Mary Pickford was, was big, you know, in like the 40s, say, it's not like people... You're looking at me like crazy. 20s? <laughs> well, yeah. I just thought that she was active still a little bit longer. But, but yeah, you know, active in the, you know, the earlier days of cinema, it's not like everybody has cameras the way that they do now. Like, being able to get somebody while they're just on vacation filming them it is probably pretty challenging when you're the only person around that has a
2: camera so and this is a, but uh, on the other hand this is also like pre TMZ this is pre well Mary Pickford is definitely pre TMZ but
0: that's 100% for sure
2: but yeah but even um you know Bowfinger is 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 really just before that advent of you know, everyone having cell phones and cameras.
0: Sure, and yeah. I'm but looking at Mary Pickford. <laughs> right, but but Bowfinger also takes place in Los Angeles where, you know, there are movies being made all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so it's a little bit less surprising. But if, you know, you're just vacationing somewhere and somebody has a, a camera and it's like the 30s or something, it's going to stand out a lot more. So... I I mean I, if it's if it's a true story then that's great. I, well, I mean not great from a privacy perspective, but fascinating I should say. Mm-hmm. And
2: oh, uh sorry, j- I just wanted to uh since we're talking about Mary Pickford here, just wanted to give a little background. So she did uh so she became such a powerhouse in Hollywood. She she started she was one of the people that started United Artists, yeah, which Char- yeah. Charlie Chaplin and Douglas, Douglas Fairbanks. Fairbanks, and so she retired from acting in 1933. Ah, and okay. She did a theater stint, but she produced in in the 1940s. So I knew that she was
0: active because yeah, I knew that she was one of the the people involved with United Artists. So it's she was definitely very very active throughout. But her yeah, but life,
2: but you know? but this this um movie that was made with, with her, without her knowledge that, yeah, that, that was actually more like during the height, I think of her, Mm. of her fame, which is, you know, late twenties, more impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So I, I think that's a really fascinating story. And if that really is the springboard for how both finger came about, then it's very interesting. I, I will say it again though, total invasion of privacy. (laughs) I, certainly was not uh, something that people talked about back then, but certainly that wouldn't fly now. Just like think about if somebody made an actual movie with like, I don't know, like Jennifer Lawrence just with stitched together footage of her doing her thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, you can't, we also, it's also that like we see so much of celebrities because of paparazzi we see so much of celebrities doing, you know, Ben Affleck with, with coffee. Oh my God.
0: Uh, Enough of that.
2: Leave, I know, leave the poor man alone. And like all eyes, look, when I saw that picture of Ben Affleck with the, I was just jealous that he got to have some Dunkin' Donuts and I'm thousands of miles away from the nearest. (laughs) I think. Yeah. I know. I don't know where the
0: LA, I don't know where where else they would be. So maybe not thousands
2: way. of miles, but there are no far enough away. There are, there are no Dunkin Donuts like near Seattle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Dan, all of these years later, what would you do with such a movie?
2: Oh boy. Well, it's hard. Like I said, uh, I was going down that spin-off road and thinking about Christine Baranski. Ber- and, yeah. uh, yeah. I, I mean, look, if you could get her and Catherine O'Hara together to do a... I don't know.
0: Have they done anything together? They
2: have to have done something together. One would think, but not that I can think of. Not not that comes to mind. Um, you think about a pre... Thinking about a prequel because there's, there's definitely backstory there, but then are you casting right. these characters younger? Are you doing something about how Bobby Bowfinger gets into the business and then... If that was the case, I I would only tr- like you know want it to happen if Steve Martin, yeah, was was really driving it. Now the other the other thought I had was w- if you created a series, okay, and I I don't know that it could be set. To, I don't mean a film series. I mean you know a. a it Tele- it feels archaic to say television sure. series yeah um but i think if you had um if you had a series about a filmmaker who's trying to make a film in this way it would be tough to set it modern day it, it would be admi- i mean look at all the equipment that they have to take out to to make this movie uh-huh you could i mean yeah. you could arguably even though it's a lot harder to to make this type like that type of movie nowadays, the type of movie where you're just like filming someone without their knowledge. Um mm-hmm. I, but I think that having all that, like it, it, it wouldn't be as much fun to tell a story about it. If it's just like, you know, Oh, I'm holding up my phone and I'm pretending to be texting, but I am really oh, taking yeah. a video of that person. So, I think if you did a series and you set it in, you know, set it in the 70s, Mm -hmm. like set it, set it, in do a take on, you know, that like 70s filmmaking and, and style and, and all that. I mean, there was definitely a big,
0: like, you know, cinema verite was having a pretty big moment, I'd say in the
2: 70s. I could totally see that working in that era. Have someone do it like trying to make like some type of like French connection rip off.
0: Hmm.
2: And trying to get, you know, some some star in it. And I I I mean, I don't think it would be as broadly funny. And I don't know that you would have a place for the GIF subplot. Yeah, the GIF. It would be a loose, it would be like a looser, like kind of inspired by Bowfinger. I don't know. I don't think you can I can't think of a continuation of Bowfinger outside the Carol story. Yeah. That I would. Which is also great because like
0: (laughs) Christine Baranski, especially after the good wife and with the good fight, she's become, I guess her celebrity has kind of grown in a really fascinating way, which is something that.
2: appearances in the Mamma Mia films.
0: Yeah. And it's something that I think is fascinating when there are there are actresses who uh, become more popular and cast in more things as they get older, which kind of bucks the stereotype of like women aging out of Hollywood at a a certain time. And uh, I just give Christine Bransky so much credit for just like being so consistently great that she's really proven herself time and time again that like. You know, she's not going to – she just did not let that happen to her.
2: I feel like there's a couple of other movies I want to mention because if people haven't seen them or or, or remember her performance in them, like, either watch them or go back and revisit them. The Birdcage? The Birdcage is one of mm-hmm. those. The other is The Ref. Which, oh,
0: The Ref. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Which, if you've got a Kevin Spacey issue, might be a little yeah. – challenging but it's also one of those i don't know i feel like i could make an exception for that because it's from like 1994 i think
0: i watched uh, uh i think it might have been his first movie the other day heartburn he plays a uh a thief in it and oh, he, uh it's, it's it yeah. was a little bit easier to stomach because first of all he's a bad dude in it so it's not a stretch to like dislike him, but also he's just so young that it's mm-hmm. like, it's not that it's a different person, but there's something about it that just feels a little bit different. And yeah, it's not I mean, his movie. He's not, he's, you know, he just happens to be in it.
2: Yeah. Which the ref is, you know, it's Dennis Leary. Right. Uh, I think I like the ref so much and I love the performances. Christine Baranski, who plays his sister-in-law. Okay. In it. And, uh, It's it's Christmas and she's just so furious that it's that that it's just not a traditional Christmas. And when they all end up getting taken hostage by Dennis Leary and she says, this is Christmas. What (laughs) what kind of Christmas is it? I everything she does is just is so I don't want to say calculated. (laughs) But no, she's great. She brings so much, even just the way she says Kit Ramsey,
0: (laughs) the way she says everything is just so magical. Yeah, Uh, yeah, she's the best. Uh, I have so much love and respect for Christine uh, Bransky, who actually is also in Bullworth. She plays Constance Bullworth. Oh, wow. And also in 1999, she's in Cruel Intentions.
2: Oh, my God. That's right. Oh, does she play? Is she Selma Blair's mother in that?
0: Uh, It's Bunny Caldwell is the character's name. I don't remember exactly who she was in it. Um, She was in uh, the Ron Howard Grinch movie, for better or for worse. Uh, She's in Chicago. Um, Oh, Adam's Family Values. Adam's Family Values. Hello? She's in that. Yeah. Yeah. She's just awesome. Yeah. yeah. Chicago. But I feel like once but I feel like once uh The Good Wife came out I don't know she just like it just really boosted her like it kind of took her out of the sidelines and really put her up there and she holds her own so well that she got a spin-off series. Mm-hmm. So just goes to show you. Um yeah, so my my idea actually does involve Christine Baranski uh, in her role as Carol. Uh, but not in the ways that you were talking about with Moira Rose because oh my god so I was thinking about you know how this would be such a different story now because of invasion of privacy and then I was like you know it kind of plays a little bit differently if the person that the actor that is being followed if we were to if it was to be like a remade or like a type of remake but if the person that they're following is, a not is such a not good person that it kind of validates it a little bit. And it's kind of like more of a revenge type of thing. Like maybe this actor like screwed some like young filmmaker over and to retaliate, they are making this movie in secret. And my thought about it, uh, first of all would be that it would be directed by Edgar Wright Simon Pegg would play the douchey actor, and uh, Christine Baranski's role would be: I uh, she, she has now become a studio executive or like an agent, and she is she hears about what this is, and it's kind of her idea to have them make this movie in secret, you know, with this person. What if she's, so, like, she becomes
2: a casting agent? In yeah, Hollywood. she's just yeah. Which I could see her her
0: character going in that direction, but she uh, she's just like you know about like twenty years ago did this thing and uh, it kind of went great. It kind of made my career take off because as we see in uh, in um, Bowfinger, I was going to say Bullworth Bullworth for a second, but as we can see in Bowfinger, uh, Chubby Rain leads to this. <laughs> crazy i mean culturally insensitive like kung fu movie where bowfinger and jiff ramsey
2: are starring <laughs> it's fake purse ninjas fake purse ninjas which that's by the right. way a little funnier when you go to see this movie in the theater with someone who is is known for their shopping for fake purses oh, mom about that yeah my goodness
0: rat her out. Uh yeah, so it's if if anyone's seen the episode of Broad City where Susie Esman takes them to go to this like fake purse place where there's like all these hidden walls and all this other stuff, that's our mother. Just so you know, that is what. She did that with with did. my my wife. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, fake personages is it, it, when I was watching it this time I was like Laughing and cringing because I was like, this is so culturally inappropriate and offensive, but it is done in such a funny way. I just, I can't help from laughing. And I don't know. The way Jeff and Christine Baranski fighting. Oh my God. It's just like, I hate it when... You are listening to something, and someone's describing something visual that you just can't see. And I'm so sorry, but this really needs to be seen to be believed. It
2: is just it's so t- funny. I'm, there's probably a clip on YouTube. Uh, but it's just this, imagine, it's so good. imagine somebody who has absolutely no ability whatsoever to fight or look graceful. Terrified, and there's all the sound effects. Go, like all the fight sound effects are going on and yeah and he's he, he's terrified and he's the the physicality yeah, There's, there's Eddie plenty puts there's, into if, it. if you if you
0: search fake personages on YouTube you can find the uh the clip from that I'd play
2: the audio from it but it wouldn't it would need read. to see it
0: and Christine yeah. baransky
2: with the, uh, and Christine oh baransky will talk about yeah culturally insensitive. Who plays, I guess, if I'm going to use a culturally insensitive term, a quote unquote dragon lady uh, (laughs) with the like just insanely long nails. But yeah, but her
0: her reveal, her reveal, like they make a moment out of her reveal. Yes. Because it is just so good. And it's like, I'm so happy that they like
2: they give Christine Bransky this place to play. Absolutely. And. Just to point out the moment like when they go when they have the Hollywood premiere because uh, Bowfinger gets the he gets the the green light, I guess, the, yeah, from Jerry so, Renfro.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you want to talk about how? So, well, yeah, I'll just quickly talk about how Chubby Rain actually works out. So uh, everything is kind of foiled when there's this climactic moment where he's going to say gotcha suckas at the Griffith Observatory. And... That's when all these helicopters come in and there's like a security guard who is part of Mindhead who pieces together what's going on and he, you know, gets Terrence Stamp's
2: character. What's up? No, he's uh, just he's a security guard who works at the same studio as, as Dave and happens to yeah, notice it, Dave sneaking some equipment yeah. back in.
0: So he pieces it together and he alerts Terrence Stamp to it. And it's so funny because Terrence Stamp even says like, well, I guess there were people following you. <laughs>
2: Sometimes uh, the paranoid are correct. I, yeah. I don't know if that's the exact thing he says. But Something I love like Terrence that. Stamp. Terrence Stamp is amazing. Terrence Stamp so, had Oh shit, that's another great indie movie from ninety nine, The Limey. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen it. You've never seen the Limey? Oh shit. I Terrence don't think so. Stamp I'll check that has out. this like ex, like a London gangster whose daughter it, um has like come to Hollywood and she like she winds up dead and he's convinced oh, yeah. that it's like Peter no, Fonda who's like this big Hollywood bigwig. Oh, of it's course. one of my favorite Soderberg movies. And
0: I just watched the new Soderbergh movie last night with uh, Meryl Streep and uh uh Lucas Hedges and Oh, it, Diane uh, Candice and Diane Weist. Yeah. Where's Christine uh, was...
2: Baranski in that?
0: Yeah, it was very good. It was very good. Oh, Um, nice! I liked it a lot. Yeah, Um, but I
2: love. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. So anyway, so
0: uh, so the security guard brings Terrence damp. They find them at the observatory, and uh, things get kind of uh, you know they just end there, and that's where we hear the whole thing about it was a beautiful lie, and. uh, what ends up happening is the um the crew members had been sent around with the cameras just to get a bunch of extra footage and they like they happen to get Kit Ramsey exposing himself to the Laker girls. It comes back around and I uh, So that's all caught on film and they use that to blackmail him and uh, To get this movie finished, they shoot the whole gotcha Suckers" moment and he does like a whole, uh, you know, he really makes a moment out of it. And uh, yeah, and they actually have a big Hollywood premiere and Jerry Renfro's there. And uh, it's just, it's so delightful to see them getting their moment in the spotlight.
2: And what I love about when you see like the final uh, chubby rain on screen is that, Aside from the gotcha suckers moment, the rest of the movie it still looks pretty like oh yeah B movie might be complimentary, yeah. and but the gotcha suckers moment is like isn't isn't that shot like uh uh imitating the Shawshank redemption it's very Shawshanky uh romeo plus juliet oh oh that that's yeah. what it is it's with the like you know shirt open the chest the yeah. rain coming down yeah um and everyone loves it but the faces it's ridiculous the, the expressions like steve martin christine Baranski, their like their faces as they're watching it and and having worked in you know, in the arts and, you know, in, in doing, having done, you know, worked in some theater and, you know, film, not on the, uh, bow finger, not even on the bow finger scale, but I identified with that. And, uh, not as much when I first saw this movie, when I hadn't had, you know, as much experience in that, but you just being able, when you see it on the big screen and, the delight that you see on their faces is so real,
0: absolutely, yeah,
2: and it's so wonderful. And and the confusion on Jerry Renfro's face,
0: Robert Downey Jr., it's so good.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you need to have someone there who's like the voice of reason. He's like, What the fuck is this? Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, and if in the world of Bullfinger, awesome. if it's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah Jeff in yeah j uh in the world of bowfinger if um if somebody if this movie was to have been promoted as being like a movie filmed in secret like if it was present like marketed that way uh then i I feel like it would have been heralded in a much higher position, but um, I doubt that that's what they would have gone for in this fictional world um Uh, And I know we're just, like, going on and on and on about how great this movie is, but I just wanted to talk about one other scene when they're in the parking garage and they have the dog with the heels on that's, you know, making the loud walking noises. And it's just, like, there's. they were so fortunate that his character had such intense paranoia because, like, he reacts and he's so confused
2: at what's going on. Ugh, it's amazing. But it's also... I think that even by 1999, we knew enough about people in Hollywood and Hollywood types to, to know that, uh, yeah, you know, their, uh, Hollywood types might, you know, have these, these type of, of paranoias and, you know, it was established that Scientology was kind of a big, you know, Hollywood cult, uh, you know, right. we didn't yeah. know as much about it then as we do now yeah. But and by the way, I love it. It's such a minor little thing, but when he's when Bowfinger is talking to Terry Striker uh, during the the scene when he shows him the footage of Kit uh, showing yeah. it to the Laker girls, and he starts to say "mind fuck," but he 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 goes <laughs> now here at mind Fu- head, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's ah uh, uh, so. I mean, I'm a Steve Martin fan. <laughs> Right, so especially of his writing, i love- one of my yeah. favorite scripts ever is is the play he wrote Picasso at the La Panagile, mm. which is a play that I could just pick up and read uh beginning to end at at any time. It was so it's wonderful to see them having fun. It's wonderful to see them doing this movie, and to be honest with you, in the you know the current climate we're in today we're recording this on. Wednesday, January 13th, uh, you know, which if you're following the headlines is the second impeachment of, of Donald Trump. And, but, but like so much chaos, um, you know, not just in the last week, but, but recently, and it's when movies like this are really important. Yeah. And to have a movie like this to go to, and, say, and it's an hour and 40 minutes, it, yeah. it's, to have a movie like this where you can just say, I am going to put this on and take a little break from reality, There, there's not many other places I would want to go.
0: Right. So before we get to what we're going to do on our next episode, our 100th episode, I just want to yes. play one more clip because we have not actually heard Eddie Murphy as Jif right. so I'm going to play yeah. the scene where uh, Jif is acting with uh, Heather Graham's character Daisy and she is uh, in the scene exposing her breasts
1: alright there's your mark, now you understand the scene you're not sure if you still love Keith but you're offering yourself to him in order to save the planet okay Jif, right up here, now we're starting here uh-huh. okay. and up okay. and uh-huh. roll sound alright so you know, Mark. Okay, you're not sure if you love him, but you want to save the planet, and action.
3: Keith, I don't know what's right anymore. All I know is I have feelings that make me need you. Need you now.
2: The top comes off.
1: Awesome. you're gonna be a star and cut
0: <laughs> <laughs> how awesome oh, and eddie Jif. murphy
2: always plays such a like confident and cocky character yeah and to see him as jiff like after he sleeps with Daisy and he comes in and tells Bovi I just had intercourse in yeah that. and
0: I think that it's the way that he plays Jif that makes you forget that it that's Eddie Murphy one of the biggest actors of you know multiple generations and I don't know like when they're like sitting at the diner and it actually comes out that he's Kit's brother like it took like for a second I was like So, like, they seem so natural sitting next to this guy who they kind of look at as somebody who's beneath them, in a way. You know, he's just a guy that they found. And he runs errands for them, and he happens to look like Kit Ramsey. They didn't realize that he was his brother up until a few minutes later. But uh, the, the idea of them sitting at a table with Eddie Murphy, because that's, you know, the type of, you know, Kit isn't Eddie Murphy exactly, but he's... At the star level of Eddie Murphy, a few years prior,
2: even even in that era, even in that era, Eddie Murphy has had the reputation quite for quite some time of being. I I hesitate to use the term diva, but difficult. uh, Well, difficult, and also he his value, his self value is you know, is up there, is, is elevated. And, um, you know, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's had that, that reputation, but I love when, when he manages to, to get past that because that's when he does his best work. Often, you know, when we think about Eddie Murphy's best work, it's usually the earlier movies. It's Trading Mm -hmm. Places, Beverly Hills Cop, 48 Hours, um, Coming to America, yeah. Yeah, and that's why I'm so excited to
0: see the new Coming to America is just because it's like, you know, of course it's these characters that we are so familiar with, but also it's Eddie Murphy after decades of, like, you know, experience and having gone through the ups and downs of fame. And I I just wonder how that's going to read behind this character and I know we seen we've seen him recently you know my name is Dolomite he was excellent in that but uh you know I think that playing a character that he's played that he played at the towards the beginning of his career it'll just be fascinating to see I'm curious to see how that'll feel all of these years later especially from an actor who's just like one of the top actors for such a long time
2: I mean, and also he's got an Academy Award nomination to his name, Mm -hmm. arguably, you know, as some say, might have won the Oscar had it not been for backlash related to the release of Norbit. Oh,
0: (laughs) Norbit.
2: Right. Around the time of the Oscars when he was nominated for Dreamgirls, which he's excellent in Dreamgirls. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I'm always, I'm rooting for Eddie Murphy. And, And even though he might not see himself as the underdog, I kind of... See him as the underdog in a lot of ways, especially now. And I am rooting for Eddie Murphy. I'm always rooting for him and Steve Martin. And you know what? If they wanted to get back together and do something again, it wouldn't have to be Bowfinger related or in the Bowfinger universe. Yeah. But I would love to see them back together again. Sure.
0: Yeah. Well, Dan, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to cover on our one hundredth episode, voted on by our wonderful social media followers?
2: Yes, so we we went on Instagram, we went on Twitter, and we we asked you what you wanted to hear us talk about for the hundredth episode, and it was close. Yeah, very close. It and, was. And- A surprising
0: turnout for uh, one of them on Twitter that nobody voted for on Instagram are the four choices were uh, Dave, Earth Girls Are
2: Easy, Big Trouble in Little China, and Better Off Dead. And we are going to be covering for our 100th episode, Better Off Dead from 1985, starring John Cusack, and... um. but don't be disappointed if you voted for another movie there we are we are not stopping at 100 yeah maybe I, we'll just do those our next he, four episodes yeah. <laughs> we could We yeah, yeah it's it's possible so but for episode 100 man what a uh a i arguably a cult classic yeah, easily directed by sure. Savage Steve Holland. Yeah, a name that you might not have heard in some time, if ever, but or man maybe would- you've
0: heard it twice.
2: <laughs> this time, and uh, with one crazy summer.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or well, how I, and I how, how I got to did... college, right? But and I think he's also done quite a bit of TV.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that in the next episode. Can't wait. Can't wait to talk about it. Better off dead.
0: Yeah, and uh, check us out on Instagram at ruinedchildhoodspod. We're at ruined underscore pod on Twitter, ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com, buy our merch at Public. All those links are going to be in this episode's description as well. So... Dan, as you peel away in Jerry Renfro's stolen classic car, I bid you a good journey. Good journey.
3: Seems as though you're doing much better. Yes, yes. Your paranoia is definitely under control since you came to understand happy premise number one. Happy premise number one. There are no aliens. Happy premise number two. Happy premise number two. There is no giant foot trying to squash me. Happy premise number three. Happy premise number three. Even though I feel like I might ignite, I probably won't.